Now we're going to continue looking at chapter 13 of John. We won't finish it, but you see we are now in such a dense place in the gospel that we have to go slowly and let every bit of it impact us. Okay. He came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Peter never gets it straight, but Jesus loves him. And he knows that he will, you know, he'll betray him, but he'll he'll repent. That's why he's Pope. Because Jesus can trust him, ultimately to love him enough to do whatever Jesus wants. Not because he's the brightest bulb in the room. But when he needs a revelation, he gets one, right? Who are you? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon. Because flesh and blood did not tell you that. My Father told you that. And so, right now we have a great theologian as Pope. Suppose the next was not a great theologian. That's all right. Because it's God the Father who will instruct him. I prayed for you, Peter. You see that your faith fail not. And you being your faith, personal faith, you know, that your faith, that having been strengthened, you strengthen your brothers. Okay, Peter said, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you cannot understand now, but you will grasp it afterwards. Here's Peter again. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus said to him, if I do not wash you, you will have no part in me. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. That's Peter. Jesus answers him, the one who is washed has no need except for his feet to wash, but is wholly clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew his betrayer, and that is why he said, you are not all clean. Now, what's Peter's problem here? You see, what, what's going on here? This is baptism. But not just the sacrament. It's the total poured out spirit cleansing us, huh? Our Lord will say in chapter 15, you are clean because of the word that I spoke to you. Peter doesn't want this menial service. Wait till he catches on that this is just a symbol of the menial service of dying as a criminal on a cross, mocked by everybody. That's how deep this self-abasement goes on the part of Jesus, you see? So, do you wash my feet? What I'm going to do now, you don't understand, but you'll grasp it afterwards. Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. Now, wash my feet means passion. You see? If I don't wash you, you will have no part in me. Yes, it's baptism. But it's baptism by having a part in the passion of Christ. We who are baptized are baptized into his death. Paul will tell us. So, this text is moving on many levels at the same time. This is this, uh, remember, there's no account of the Eucharist, the institution of the Eucharist, in John's uh, Last Supper. There's a whole chapter with 70-some-odd verses on the Eucharist uh, in chapter 6. But here, it's the Eucharist, which is the commemoration of the Passion, right? The act of love in which our Lord dies. It's acted out here in the foot washing. 
In the early church, some people thought, well, maybe this foot washing is, a, is another sacrament. I can tell you that in monastic orders, on Saturday night, there is a shift at the, the server at the tables is going to change, go from one monk to another. And that transition is washing the feet of all the brethren with a basin and a towel and a, and a pitcher. Because it's the mandatum, it's called, because mandatum novum dovobis, the Latin for I give you a new commandment. And that's why it's kept at only Thursday. And, um, you know, it's a ceremony, but you know, it's one that takes something out of you. You have to kneel down, get up, you know, wash everybody's feet. The whole idea is what? This is a symbol of what I'm prepared to do. Die for you. That's right. The Lord did this as a symbol, a prophetic symbol. And we have to do it the same way. It's not just a ceremony. Like, let's do this and then we get on to the next one. It's saying, by this gesture, I am telling you, I am willing to lay down my life. Uh, so it's not just a you know, ceremony. Uh, so, Peter says, not only my feet, but my hands and my head. Jesus says, now the one who has washed has no need except for his feet to wash, but is wholly clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. These are very enigmatic words. Uh, see, the one who has washed, baptized, has no need except for his feet to, the, to be purified of the sins we commit every day. We don't get rebaptized. We're plunged into Christ. All the sins of our past life are forgiven if we're rebaptized as adults. You see? But there's still this forgiveness, this sacrament of forgiveness. Even a baptized person who's committed adultery and murder and so forth, they're not rebaptized. This was the big fight between Augustine and the Donatists. The Donatists said that all these people who uh, renounced their faith during persecution, they're no longer Christian. They've got to be rebaptized. Augustine said, no. If you're baptized, you're baptized. You have to be forgiven. You have to have a conversion. You have to straighten your life out. You have to be reintegrated into the community. But you do not have to be rebaptized because that is such an awesome sacrament. How hard it is to help people get that way when the family gathers in the front of the church after Mass or during Mass, depending, and the little baby this big is brought up, everybody else has to make the act of faith for him or her because they can't. But all that community has to say, do you believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator? Yes. Do you believe in Jesus, the whole community? Because this child is not just born into the water. He's born into the faith of that community. And that's part of what he's bathed into. And so, uh, he's talking there about the communication of the fruit of his passion and resurrection. Now, he's going to turn, in a way, to another direction. When then he washed their feet, and he took up his garments and again replied, sorry, and again reclined, he was in the nature of God. He did not consider being equal to God a thing to be clung to. But 
he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave uh, and, and um, becoming obedient unto death, death on a cross. You can't go any lower. And therefore God, the Father, exalted him and gave him the name. What name? Kyrios, Lord. The ineffable name uh, is given to Jesus. It wasn't given to him like he wasn't Lord before, but is given to him to reveal to the world who he always has been. And now it's radiantly clear because even in his body shines forth his love for the whole world. To this day, the angels in heaven see him and he still, as a lamb standing, as one slain, he still bears the marks of the slaughter. They're his signs of love. Okay. Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, so I am. If then I washed your feet, the Lord and the teacher, so you must wash one another's feet. Now, what does that mean? Is that just the ceremony on Holy Thursday? No. It means imitate Christ uh, and give your life. In 1 John 3, 16, he says, In this we know the love, that he laid down his life for us. So we too must lay down our lives for each other. Lay down our lives for each other. Not just give out a dollar on the corner. Lay down our lives for each other. Then he gives a little example of it. Uh, if a man sees a brother in hungry and in need and he closes his heart to him, how can you say the love of God is in that person? It's not. Brothers, we have to live, we have to love in word and in act. Both. You see? Uh, and that's how we imitate the washing of the feet. You see? That's why he says, you see, uh, you must wash one another's feet. That doesn't mean washing the feet as well. It means lay down your life. We must lay down our lives for one another. Uh, John tells us, the very one who records these words for us here. Amen, amen, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his Lord, nor an apostle greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I want to be an apostle. Nifty. Now lay down your life for your brothers, and then your heart will be pure, and you can go out and preach the gospel with a certain amount of authenticity. But you can't go out and just say blah, blah, blah. you got to go out imitating your Lord. And your Lord laid down his life. And in that other text that I talked about that didn't come to be served, but to serve, you see, he's telling church leaders, you want to be a good church leader? You want to be the top man? Be the bottom man. That's the way to the top. Not that when you're there, you're going to get promoted. If you get promoted, you're being deprived of the greatest spot in the church. Interesting, isn't it? Does that work? Yeah. I mean, a pope who takes his job seriously. I mean, just think of what he has to do every day. You know? Now you can wear fancy clothes and people say, Holy Father. That lasts until he gets all alone in bed by, you know, by himself. And then what good is that going to do him? 
had a very good friend. He was a Lebanese, and he was a bishop. And he says, told me one night we were talking, he says, you know, because I'm very close to him, he said, you know, I get ready for bed, I put down my shoes, and I say, what's all about? He was, his English wasn't perfect. What's all about? What am I doing all this for? People are shouting at me all day. I got problems to serve. Like priests, I got to correct. I mean, what's all about? Why am I doing all this? So a leader who takes his job seriously will be at the bottom of the heap. Now, I mean, they might incense him at the Mass, but uh, it doesn't help. That's the way we are, you know, and that's why he's saying to be an apostle, to be a preacher of the gospel, means to imitate Christ in his passion. They tell the story, for instance, St. Paul of the Cross suffered a lot and, and, and asked the Lord for suffering. And the people used to say, from the way of St. Paul, Paul of the Cross, libera nos domine, free us from that. We don't want to do what he's doing. Uh, but he did because he loved the Lord and, and the Spirit had filled him with grace. And he wanted to lay down his life for the brothers. Okay. Uh, I'm speaking about all, I'm not speaking about all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But in that, in order that the scripture be fulfilled, and he quotes his line from the psalm, he who ate my bread raised his heel against me. Eat my bread. In our culture, we can meet one another and go off to McDonald's and split a hamburger and not too mystical. In that part of the world, you're invited into a person's home, you become part of the family. So if the Joneses and the Smiths are having a battle, and I go to the Joneses' house, I'll never get to the Smiths' house. Okay. I just want to finish this last line here, verse 20. Uh, I'm telling you this before it happens, so that you'll, when it, you'll believe when it happens. You won't get shaken. The one receiving someone I send receives me. And the one receiving me receives the one who sent me. That's the dignity of being entrusted with the Word of God. From the Pope to the very simple person in the street, just delivering the message, the Gospel. All right, we'll pick up from there next time and uh, go on with chapter 13.